Episode 1078, Cookie Christmas, Away in a Moonger. Very good. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Ed Anderson. And I'm Ben DiBono, and you know we're deep into kooky Christmas when we're bringing out the big guns. That's right. That's right. The CIA so, takes a backseat. It's it's time to talk about the moon. You've been setting this one up for, I mean, months, I think. In some ways, years without even intending yeah, to, you know, because I've been saying for a long time, going back to when we did moon news, that there was something going on with the moon. That's and, right. And so the moon's had my attention for for quite some time, uh, so I'm delighted to to kind of bring two worlds together because I think, you know, my concern with the moon was more of a contemporary concern. Like I'm, it was interested in what does the moon, what's going on today yeah. with it, and and I, you know, for people who've been listening long enough, they know we uncovered a lot of uh, a lot of salient details, which I, I can't remember pretty much any of them now but. yeah i'm pretty sure if you, you go to our archives and search for moon news yeah, i think i, I tagged a lot of moon anytime news. you talked about the moon i think i tagged it with either moon or moon news right so this is like to go to uh brian and sfc.blue as he usually marks all those news episodes as skip well i don't think the moon news episodes are skippable i mean just for, as an example may 2020 episode 818 more moon news and other news. That's just an yeah. Example. It's like the rest of the world's all worried about COVID. Then, well, we had our focus on on where it should be in the skies. So, you know, I've been thinking about the moon for for a long time now and mm-hmm. been very interested in it. And then, but you know, for Kooky Christmas, it's like it's kind of inevitable that we're going to get into the moon at some point. And so I was delighted. I don't remember how I found this book, but I was delighted earlier this year when I I became aware of the book that I'm holding right now. Uh, and the book has a delightful title: uh, "Who Built the Moon?" Yes, it does. That's, it's, it's a, that's the title of the book. You, you came to my door this afternoon, looking like a door-to-door preacher right. with your book. Right, I look like holding a, a close hair chest. About yeah, ready to, witnesses, to preach the preach the news about the moon, the good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna hit up your neighbors when we're done yeah. here. Uh, but I was delighted to find out about this book, um, and and I'm delighted to be here to tell you guys about it because I so I've been anticipating this you know for months. I bought this back in the summer for Kooky Christmas, and and uh, I'll have to say that the the journey of this book has been a wild one in and of itself because there was of course the initial elation at discovering its existence and then you know procuring my copy and it came in the mail i was very excited about that and then you know it kind of sat on the shelf for a while because i didn't want to read it like six months before kooky christmas you know you forget it too much i started a few months ago to read it and got about a fifth of the way through and was a little disappointed uh, so far, I mean, they're not great writers. Uh, it's written by two people, uh, Christopher Knight and Alan Butler, who I guess previously wrote a book called Civilization One. Um, so that might be interesting to check out. But they're not, you know, they're not great writers, which is fine. You know, it's we're here for the moon, not for we're not we're not we're not after Shakespeare here. We got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, a like moon who built it. Yeah, who built the moon? So. You know, I put it aside then for for probably a month or two and then came back to it this last week. And I was honestly worried because it's like 
A, it wasn't written great. B, it didn't seem to quite be going in the direction that I expected it to go, meaning that it really wasn't getting to the main point of who built the moon. Okay. So, you know, I read it, read through it relatively quickly uh, this last week. There's a lot of, you know, fluff in there. It's not a super long book. It's about 250 pages, but there was a, a fair amount of fluff in there and was just hoping that, you know eventually there'd be enough material because i thought for a while maybe i'll have to supplement for this moon episode of kooky christmas um as and indeed there was some good stuff along the way there's actually a lot of moon facts that we're going to get into and moon anomalies and things that that make you say the moon is quite a peculiar little little animal but what they hadn't done and what kind of had me worried is that outside of hinting at that the moon is in their view, obviously a fake. Um, and I'll explain what that means because that could be confusing for proponents of moonology who are wondering what branch of moonology we're in. Uh, fake in the sense that it is constructed, not fake in the sense of it being a hologram. Because okay. you know, there are separate moon branches of moonology that I would explore like we've that. I feel like we covered that. Have we talk, I, covered the hologram? I, I moon? think we've mentioned it. I don't think we've ever done an episode okay. on it. So, you know, maybe we'll be back for more away in the moon uh, <laughs> next year. Um, but so it's like they, you know, they, they were kind of pussyfooting around this, this topic of who built the moon. And they really didn't give any hints for what their answer was going to be until the very end of the book. Oh, my goodness. And the last two chapters that answer the question who built the moon it was like the vikings come back against the colts really it was wow. like i went from disappointment to feeling like this was one of the most amazing things i've ever read i wanted to stand up and applaud when i got to the answer wow. it does not disappoint so if you think that because i'm not going to reveal it just yet we're going to talk about some of those moon facts but when we get there in this episode if you think it's going to be something lame like aliens built the moon which would be the predictable answer oh do you have another thing coming because it is so beyond my wildest expectations wow. or hopes for who built when the moon. we get there i want to make a guess okay okay but not okay. yet yeah so so let's talk a little bit about the moon first because they did have some interesting stuff in here so uh one thing about the moon and and again just to maybe clear up the branch of moonology we're in uh they are not moon landing conspiracy theorists so they do believe we actually went to the moon uh like i already mentioned uh, the moon is not a hologram. There's an actual celestial body up there. Uh, they are not people who think that the moon is a recent invention, you know, and nor do they think that the moon is uh, a fake in the sense of being like, you know, a spaceship or something like okay. that. Okay. So this is the moon is what it appears to be. Okay. But what it appears to be when you uh, scratch beneath the surface reveals it to be artificially constructed okay all right meaning that it was built but it's not like a machine up there okay. so so we're in a branch of this is an organic moon in the sense that it's made of things that you would expect a moon to be made of okay but is obviously 
a constructed thing that was built four and a half billion years ago. Okay. Okay. So that's the branch of moonology that we're in. Okay. So the one thing to maybe start with, and they go into a lot of details on this book. So I'm just going to give you some of the highlights and specifically the ones I feel like I can express well, because the thing about these books is they start to get into all sorts of math and we are going to have some moon math here. Yeah. Moon math. (laughs) We're not going to, not going to go too wild with it. You remember, I'm sure my wife is a math teacher. So math is very popular in my family. Yeah. So maybe you could have her listen to this and maybe make our students listen to this. I think it would be a great idea. Uh, but the one thing that is not at all kooky is, and I think this is a widely ex- accepted belief uh, just in mainstream science, is that, or at least that it's possible, if not, we don't know it for sure, is that the moon was vital for the uh, the rise of life on planet Earth. And this gets into, and again, I'm not going to belabor this point because we're here for the kooky stuff, not the boring everyone agrees with stuff but things like with the way the moon used to be closer to the earth and that had to do you know that influenced the tides and that all helped lead to the conditions that gave rise to the emergence of life on earth which you know again for people who are new to the show why are you talking about evolution well we you know obviously we think god was behind all of this but we're also, or at least I'm not. I won't speak for you. Yeah, I'm uh, not a six thousand yearser. Yeah, I think <clears throat> we're both old Earth. Yeah, but I don't think we have the exact same thoughts on. Well, I want you to pause on that for next week. Really? Okay. I'm going to give a few more hints to next week, but I'm not going to tell anybody the topic. Yeah, I don't think I was just thinking. What is the last? What is the last Cookie Christmas? Episode? I'm not. I don't know. I'm not going to tell, but I'm going to hint at it. So okay. let me just say that you're correct. We view Genesis one through or two through eleven differently. I think we both yeah, agree we're on the same that Genesis one. one is, uh, you know, the lost world of Genesis one. We've done a lot of episodes on this. It's you know talking about functional creation. It's not you know not talking creation ex nihilo 6,000 years ago in the popular belief. That said, if you are somebody who is in the young earth creationist camp, A, you're more than welcome here, and you should be. That said, you're going to have a tough time with these next this episode Uh-oh. and next week's because okay. we're, we're going to be talking in terms of thousands, if not millions, if not billions of years uh, in both of these episodes. So put a pause in Genesis 2 through 11 next week because I think I'm going to I, I, I think that I'm going to revolutionize the way you're thinking about Me. it. Me? Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think wow. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna present some views and ways of understanding it that are different than anything we've talked about. Wow. And it's a conspiracy? All yeah. wrapped in a conspiracy? Yes. And it's not even a Genesis-centric episode. Next week, I, I could not be more excited for. Oh, my goodness. But we're here for the moon. Okay. So stay focused on the moon. So all that to say that... When we're talking about the rise of life, just in the shorthand behind that, uh, of course, God's involved with it, but uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Get over that with it, you know. Well, yeah, so anyway, the moon is involved with the rise of life. That's a generally accepted topic. We're not going to belabor that point. We're just going to go with it. So no moon, no life. Let's okay. just take that as a starting point. So throughout this book... Uh, they they talk about a whole bunch of things with that, but then also uh, there's some really weird things with the moon. And I will say, I fact-checked these as much as I was able, and they seem to be right. 
So, you know, I didn't spend like 20 hours. I couldn't write a doctoral dissertation on it. But I like when they talk about some of the numbers, when we get into the moon math, I looked up the numbers independently and did just a really quick rough estimate, not a precision calculation, but a rough estimate and was able to say, based on that, their numbers they're coming up with are at least reasonable close to what they're claiming they are i can't speak to the precision that they're getting into but high level round numbers estimates all of that so uh, let's start here uh the lunar eclipse or solar eclipse you know when the moon passes in front of the sun or uh vice versa there's something very odd about that which is that despite the moon and the sun being two radically different sizes the sun being much bigger for those who might need a helping hand and also being uh, very different distances from earth again the sun being much farther when they move into the eclipse they are the same size from our vantage point okay okay which is quite bizarre so get this the moon is exactly and when i say exactly let's say exactly within a margin of error. So I'm going to use shorthands. And if you're going to get bent up on the, about that, you can just go to the next episode. Yeah, just pro- no probably should stop listening, exactly. it seems like. <laughs> right. So there, the moon is exactly one four hundredth the size of the sun. This is one of the things I, I did double check and said, you know, within reason, that's true. And the moon is 400 times closer to the earth than the sun. Isn't that wow? Like that's quite odd, actually. Very specific. Very very specific. That wow. one is four hundredth the size yeah. and four hundred times closer, and that's why you have eclipses. Wow, very cool. So, so that's quite strange. Um, I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep going. I mean, I. You, I'm sure you're familiar with the privileged planet argument. Yeah, yeah. No, we're. I'm, I'm on the right track. Just we're gonna get there. You're okay. not on the right track, but. <laughs> Let's just say that this book and uh, Young Earth Creationists kind of go in parallel for very outside of the billions of years. Not a lot of that stuff. Yes, the privileged planet. They go there a lot. Okay. Like there's some very strange things. But even that, like that doesn't need. And that's when they get into the rise of life stuff, which isn't so much what I'm going to talk about. Um, but this is like not even to do with life. It's just that doesn't have any like that that it doesn't make earth privilege just makes that very strange okay Okay. strange thing number two the earth is 27.322 percent the size of earth more or less okay okay the earth or the moon orbits the earth every 27.322 days wow again you can look these numbers up by yourself and check it at least from my calculations and theirs, and I double-checked them independent of any data in the book. Like I was Googling, you know, size of the moon, size of the Earth, all of that came out to the same thing. So that that's very odd. Wow. Okay. Uh, the moon is very, very strange compared to other satellites in the solar system, meaning that it is much larger than other satellites, meaning like Mars as moons or something. But it has a center, its core, its iron core, is tiny compared to 
other similarly sized planets. So proportionally, so I don't, get, I don't know how we know that. I don't know either. But this is not a kooky fact. This is yeah. a accepted fact. Okay. I de- like I don't know how. I, like I don't really trust scientists when they say the Earth has a, a iron core. That just seems a little odd. But I, you know, like we're gonna go with. Let's it. Let's just do it. Like in another kooky Christmas, we'll we'll maybe get into you know people are living in the center of the Earth or something. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, not that Jules Verne ever got there, Mister <laughs> Journey to the center <laughs> of the Earth. If the center of the Earth is a couple miles down. What a, You're still mad about that? I am. <laughs> you read that book like two years ago. Yeah, more than that, I think. But it's just, it's such a lie. It's such a lie. Those who don't know what we're talking about, if you've never read the book Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, they do, in fact, journey down with the intention of getting to the center of the Earth, and they barely scratch the surface. The book <laughs> is such a tease, and it, it, it it's absurd that it is called Journey to the Center of the How, Earth. So you read that to your kids. How disappointed were your kids? I think they were. I was more angry than they were. I think I was. I was not happily. I, I just checked. You read it four years ago. It's just been a constant <laughs> source of anger for yeah, you. Yeah, I saw it. So I was looking at the titles for an Audible sale today, and I saw that was one of the options. Not in my <laughs> life would I ever buy that. Here's what you said: a more accurate title, "Journey About Five Percent of the Way to the Center of the Earth." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Like what? A, a disappointing. Disappointing. That's like if I, you know, I live about 25 miles from you. So, you know, I walk out my front door and said I went to Matt's. That's the equivalent of, of Jules Verne, you know, journey to the center of the earth. What a what a joke. Anyway, getting back to the moon and the, 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 core. the core of okay, the moon. Okay, so you said the core is small compared so to the other satellites. Ha- you know, it has an iron core, but it's, it's relatively small. One of the ways that uh, we started to find out about this is Apollo 12 uh, intentionally crash landed um, one of their rockets on the moon. Again, NASA stuff. Probably mm-hmm. Nazi in origin. What? Uh, well, because of the Nazis working with NASA, Operation Paperclip, and all that. I don't Different. think I'm totally in the loop on that, but that's a whole. Well, you know thing. that we Operation Paperclip. We covered this last kooky Christmas. We brought over Nazi scientists and worked with NASA. NASA was. The entire body of work that got us to the moon was done on the back of Nazi research. Wait, you did a whole Cookie Christmas on that? Well, we did. It, it tied into the CIA MK Ultra okay, episode. Okay. Yeah, it was a tiny part, but okay. yeah, that NASA and Nazis, you know, go hand in hand, hand in glove. Anyway, Apollo twelve, Nazi or otherwise, uh, crash landed a portion of their rocket on the moon intentionally. Uh, they just didn't need it anymore, I guess, and. You can look this up. The reports at the time, as they said, the moon rang like a bell. Wow. Leading to speculations that it is hollow. Now, it turns out that we don't think, nor do our authors of Who Built the Moon think, that it actually is hollow. But this led to this anomalous thing where the moon, the construction of the moon is completely different than what we would expect from other similarly sized satellites. We either expect it to be a much smaller satellite. Or a the size that it is, but with a much larger proportionally uh, core, iron core at it. And this is one of those things where, and I'm, I don't know the specifics enough to get into it, but if the moon, if one of those was true, the moon's either much smaller or proportionally as iron core, it screws up the whole rise of life on Earth thing. So okay. the moon being this sort of anomalous thing, um, it. it it is actually critical to the rise of life on Earth. 
Another thing having to do with the moon's surface. There are gravity anomalies on the moon called by, caused by things called mass cons, massive concentrations. So there's areas on the moon's surface, and quite a few of them, where if you held a, a pendulum right in front of you, it wouldn't point straight down. It would point at a slight angle because there's gravitational anomalies on the moon. Again, yeah. this is not the kookies. This is actually proven mainstream uncontested but it leads to there the moon is a very very odd planetary body okay let's get into a little bit more moon math the moon sir the sun's circumference is the moon's circumference times the earth's circumference divided by 100 exactly Okay, what's the significance of that? That is cool, but what's the significance? Again, it's just there are anomalies around this that seem designed to get your attention. Is there constru- like there's somebody trying to communicate? Yes. So like part this? of their contention in this book is that the the builders of the moon are trying to get the attention. They built the moon four and a half billion years ago with the anticipation that a advanced civilization is going to pick up on all of these anomalies and say there is something going on with the moon, which is exactly what I've been saying. Yeah, you have to say that. <laughs> and, and start to look into this. Now, put a pin in that hole divided by 100, because if you're thinking that's a little arbitrary, just hang on to that for just a second. So we have that. Um, we brought the, the moon 400th the time. Uh, the size of the, the moon is a 400th the size of the sun. The moon is 400 times closer to the earth than the sun. One other weird 400 thing. The moon rotates at 400 kilometers per day. So, again, we get this whole weird thing. But, again, to get there, we have to use kilometers as a unit of measurement. And that's significant because it's in base 10. So, okay. part of their contention at this point is that with all of these anomalies building up you it it not only anticipates the rise of a sentient race but it it anticipates the rise of a sentient race that would be prone to think in base 10 meaning they would have 10 digits digits, exactly so the the moon not only if you buy that these anomalies and let's at least buy that they're strange. Like there's and there's others that they're listing, and, and like I'm just giving you some of the highlights. But there's enough things there where it's like, okay, that is kind of puzzling. And their contention is a lot of these anomalies work in base ten because the builders of the moon didn't just know it would ri- lead to the rise of a random planet. They knew it would lead to the rise of people like us. Meaning people who think oh. in base 10. Wow. So they meant to not just give the rise of life. This wasn't like a benevolent alien. Let's just have some life here and move on. They, A, are trying to communicate to us, and B, anticipated that we would be thinking in base 10. You know what it makes me think? I know that you're very pro our standard uh, measurement system or the imperial system. Yes. And you're anti-metric system. I am correct? anti-metric but system. But it's almost as if the imperial system or standard system, whatever you want to call it, is part of the conspiracy to hide the metric system, which could be a key to whatever you're about to share with us. Right, right. Do you think that's true? No. Is the imperial system trying to hide something? Like The the thing about the metric system is that it's a standardized system based on base 10, you know, which is why 
it makes sense in a scientific context. I'm completely against it being used just willy-nilly everywhere. Because but if somebody I, wanted to hide what you're talking about, like there is something hidden, a hidden message on the moon, you know, and it's based around the metric system, you create a whole new system to get people to stop using yeah, the metric but system. It's apples and oranges. Like the metric system's a new thing, you know? I'm just saying, the other you're, you're part of the problem. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm radically pro other measurements, but that's that's a different conversation. Though, you know, I think we will do a, after we do next week's, I, I am going to do a bonus on the Patreon for kind of an offshoot of next week's about deliberately hiding knowledge. Okay, uh, but yes. We'll get there. Okay, so all this goes into then, how did the moon form? Now, do you know the, the most popular theory on the formation of the moon mm, for a, a long time. Broken comet or broken asteroid. Yeah, it's the big whack theory, as it's called. So the idea is that there was another planet like Mars in our area of the solar system. It collides with Earth, and then the remains of that form the moon. And this was. Oh, so the moon was a piece of Earth? No, the moon was a piece of this other planet that collided oh. with us. Okay. The other, and then uh, another popular theory would be. Uh, that we captured the moon at some point, you know, we large comet mm -hmm. goes into our orbit. It's been doing that ever since. So both of those have a significant problem though. And it's, uh, the, the, the problem is oxygen isotopes based off of moon rocks that we collected when we went to the moon. Now you say, what are oxygen isotopes? Well, I didn't know that either. Uh, but the idea here is, and this is again, you can look this up, totally legit, but what scientists say they are able to do when they test moon rocks versus earth rocks and analyze these oxygen isotopes, and I don't even know if I'm using 100% the correct terminology, <laughs> is that they're able to determine what portion of the solar system these rocks were formed in. Oh, okay. So you get rocks from Mars, you're going to get a different answer than earth rocks, because Mars is over yeah. there and we're over here and so when they analyze this in light of the, either the big whack theory or the captured comet theory or captured asteroid i guess it would be quite a bit bigger than a comet you would expect that the moon rocks are going to show a different oxygen isotope than the earth they were identical Meaning that the moon should be have originated in the exact same portion of the solar system okay. as Earth. Now, this was like back in the sixties, seventies, probably seventies. You know, after we landed on the moon and collected stuff, when these calculations are first done. So the assumption was for a long time. Well, eventually our technology is going to improve. We'll be able to take more accurate, nuanced measurements, and we'll see the differences we expect then. They did that in the 2000s. Much more accurate, much more nuanced, still identical. Still identical. So the big whack theory is whacked. So whatever <laughs> the moon is, at least, you know, assuming the, and, and I would, wouldn't put it past scientists to just be radically wrong about things like oxygen isotopes. You know, look at me. I didn't even know that term till a few <laughs> days ago. And here I am doubting the entire field behind it. But, you know, assuming they're not wrong about like what that means and all of that, the moon at the very minimum, we have to say there's something very strange about its origin because its origin seems to have been right here with Earth. Okay. Okay? So, if we take that, 
we take our moon math, we take all of these uh, you know, anomalies around it, these weird things that really serve, in addition to the privileged planet stuff you were mentioning, and then these anomalies that don't mean anything in that sense, but they start to stack up and make you kind of raise an eyebrow and say, something's going on with the moon. Who built the moon? Who built the moon? That's the question it leads to. And our authors give three possible answers to that, two of which they reject. Okay? Are you going to let me... Is this where yeah, I can yeah, guess? Well, yes. I, I've been taking some notes. Now, do you want me to give you the two answers they reject first? No, let me let me just go okay. in and see if I've been listening close enough to be able to guess. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't know if the authors were Christian or not. Okay. Are they? Uh, they, they are not. Because I thought maybe they would say angels. It seems like that's not the direction you're going. That's not the direction we're going. The one I feel really good about, yeah. like super good about it, is time travelers. You are 100% correct. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. So let's okay. talk about this. Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's talk about this. So they the first answer they throw out is God. Oh, yeah. And they uh, say, God did not build the moon. So, so my first real answer would be God. Yeah, but that, Because it all works out. Right, right. They're, they're basically saying, well, you know, maybe God's up there, but uh, we're not going to go all God on the gaps on this thing. So we're going to get rid of God. But, okay, wait. So before you go on, I, I did cheat a little. I didn't cheat about this. I, I yeah. guess time travel. But I did look at the titles of some of their other books. And one of them is really about Freemasons. Yeah. So I wondered, is it are they time traveling Freemasons? There was no mention of Freemasons in the book. Okay. So I'll stick with time travelers. Okay. So uh, time travelers. I'll, I'll nuance it a bit for yeah. you a little bit in a second. The second answer they reject is, of course, aliens, which I already said wasn't going to be the answer. Uh, they have two problems with with it being aliens. <laughs> with God, they're gonna say with God and aliens. <laughs> they have a lot of problems with God. <laughs> two problems with aliens is that number one is that the moon was formed four and a half billion years ago so if it's aliens some advanced civilization they've just been you know they did this to communicate with us four and a half billion years later that it stretches credulity uh you know unlike time travelers <laughs> number two Number two is the whole base 10 thing. Like if an alien civilization did this, there's no way they could anticipate we're going to uh, evolve with 10 digits. And so the whole base 10 thing is a, a giveaway that, that the builders of the moon four and a half billion years ago uh, taught us, you know, that we're anticipating us as us. So based on that, once you rule out God and once you rule out aliens, the only logical answer per our authors is humans time traveling yes. back four and a half billion years ago to build the moon. Now, I, you laid out the argument well because I came to time travelers independently. I didn't, didn't look online. I, the only thing I did see is that they had a book about Freemasons. But other than that, and, and what I was thinking is in the future, maybe there was a moon, but in the future, something happens to the moon. So they go back and build a better moon. Well, no. Let, okay. Let's get... So That's my th guess. This completely took me by surprise. Okay. Because um, I was anticipating throughout the whole book, who built the moon, love the title. Yeah. They're going to say aliens. Okay. Like, it's just going to... It's obviously going to be aliens. Yeah. What else could it be? So then when I get to these three chapters... There's the four chapters at the end of the book, two of which have to do with the time travelers. First one, they rule out God. No big surprise. Second one, they discuss aliens. And you get to the end of the chapter, they've ruled out aliens. 
That completely <laughs> took me by surprise because I was not anticipating that. You turn the page and we get into time travelers. And this is when I just lost it. Like, oh, wow. hey, man, this is amazing. But it gets better. Actually, you said like, well, when do the time travelers go back? Because you, you're, as you just speculated, maybe something happens to the moon. They need to build a better moon. Yeah, uh, incorrect. Okay, actually, uh, when do the time travelers go back? Well, according to them, pretty much any time now. You say, wait a second, we're nowhere close to being able to build a moon, let alone time travel. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let's remember what we've been talking about. The moon exists to get our attention because the people who built it want us to communicate, wanted to communicate with us. So much like my favorite movie of all time, 2001, we need to start investigating the moon for messages buried there that are obviously going to reveal to us how to A, time travel and b construct the moon so they they liken this to a mobius strip you know a mobius strip is like yeah. like the idea of a mobius strip is it's a continuous picture it loops back around itself there's truly no beginning or end okay to it, okay now people can google it but the basic idea is that there isn't a beginning or end to it it just goes on and on and on uh and so time travel, it's we just have to accept the paradox of it. Yeah, because there's a paradox. There is a paradox of it. If they didn't tell us we needed to build the moon, then yes. we would never build the moon. So we're, we live in this Mobius strip. It's a paradox. There's no way around that paradox because there's no other logical answer for who built the moon. So we need to go back in time and build the moon so that we can exist to go back in time and build the moon. Mm, I don't like that. Well, guess what? Too bad because the the end of the book, the final chapter of the book is called the Mobius Project, and what it is is a call to arms. Like it is a call to humanity to mobilize our, all of Earth's resources around investigating the moon, so we can discover these clues in what they are referring to as the Mobius Project, and it is our destiny within the very near future to uncover these clues establish whatever machines they tell us to build head back in time and build the moon wow which is taken from portions of earth's crust which is why it shares the same hmm. oxygen isotopes wow. now they do hint at when they talk about the paradox and you'll like this they do hint at that maybe there's a multiverse thing going on with time travel so it's possible we're not truly in a loop, but that every universe owes it to the their next sister universe. multiverse yep. to jump back and create the moon. I do think that makes more sense. <laughs> I'm, because, I'm glad. Because it can't be a real Mobius strip in the sense that once, let's just say this happens, once they go back to build the moon, this world that we live in keeps on moving forward. Right. So, right. Well, I, you know, so what was, happens then? That's when things will get really interesting that's when because things now time getting, travel yeah, exactly. will still exist. You know, you can see the controversy. The Mobius Project's going to be controversial for sure. But I, I, we're covering it here first. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I'm guessing most people haven't read Who Built the Moon. Uh, but, you know, any book that that ends by saying the only logical answer is time-traveling, moon-building humans... <laughs> It's, it's just like 
take your hat off to that thing. Like that's yes. that's a salute, you know. And yeah, there's portions of the book that are too long and too dull and and not well written and everything. But man, to have the ha- have the guts to pull that off as your conclusion and just go full throttle on it. My hat is off to these people who built the moon. You did. I did. We did. Mobius Project 2023. Is that, is Hit that, that music. Okay. I just went and looked at your, your review. A very generous four-star rating. <laughs> I mean, I almost gave it five just based on that ending. <laughs> but I couldn't quite do five because it's not well written. But four, like I wanted to give it five stars because you have a conclusion like that. You've earned it. Wow. I love it. Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, just say that, that people start going to really exploring the moon. It's amazing that here we are in 2022 covering this. Now, here's the wild thing you have we to ask yourself. We may be yourself. the first podcast to ever cover this project that's going to save humanity. I bet there's some po- you have no idea uh, the podcasts that exist in conspiracy theory portions of the internet. Uh, I do. Yeah. Because I've been there. Did they say why we had to build the moon? So we can exist. But Okay, so you build it to bring humanity to existence. Yeah, no moon, no life. Okay. Okay. But the thing you do have to ask yourself, for as kooky as that conclusion is, there is something weird about the moon. <laughs> like, you can't just say those anomalies are nothing. The moon math? Yeah. The moon math. Like, there's a lot of weird things involving the moon. You're saying beyond just, that's just the way God made it? Yeah. Like there's I stuff- think they make a decent case that there's something weird about the moon. And like the whole oxygen isotopes thing definitely gets there because that's like, well, then how'd this thing even get here in the first place? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we have to go time-traveling humans, but there's something weird about the moon. All right, listeners, let us know your thoughts on the moon. All right, next right, week. Don't forget, write us at moonnews at <laughs> that's true. The uh, Next week. Not going to tell you guys the topic, but here's what I am going to tell you. I cannot be more excited about it. Could not be more excited about it. I think this is this is going to bring together not just this year's kooky Christmas. It's going to bring together uh, things we've talked about in the past, whether it be Genesis, whether it be archaeology. Uh, I am tremendously uh, just just I've done a lot of research into this one, and just as a little tease. Well, I'm on board with there being something weird about the moon. I'm not on board yet with time-traveling humans. Next week, I'm on board. All in. I'm all in. You know, uh, through Facebook, you recommended... No, uh, don't say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Don't uh, say the I, show, because I, I don't give it away. It. That's exactly what I was... I, I didn't know if you wanted me to say it or not. So so you, you recommended something that's available on Netflix. Yes. But you don't want to tell the listeners yet. We'll talk about it next week. So do you think, you think I should watch it or not? It's up to you. It's up to you. I feel like you want me to say yes because you want an excuse to re-sign up for Netflix. <laughs> I currently am not subscribed to Netflix, and this could be my way back. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, I just won't. Okay. I'll be surprised yeah, yeah, with the listeners. Be surprised. Okay, it, uh, it's going to be good. All right, listeners, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Bendy Bono. I wear this out for Christmas. Signing off. Right, goodbye.